0: him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned, elusive, Pimpernel. The Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring as Sir Percy Blakeney. The Lieutenant Napoleon Bonaparte, Citizen Chauvelin had finally learnt that I was the Scarlet Pimpernel. And on his diplomatic visits from France to England, I could feel his hatred burning out of me. It amused me that we should be seated side by side at a dinner given in London by the Lord Chamberlain. I find that English cooking leaves much to be desired, Sir Percy. Not at all like the French. Uh. Uh, I wonder if your people know about it, Citizen Chauvelin. Huh? Well, before they can compare cooking, it's, um, Necessary to have something to cook, what? <laughs> there are rumors that your new government has not always made that possible, call. Why listen to rumors, Sir Percy? Why not come to Paris and see for yourself, huh? Eh? Perhaps I shall. I know you'd be delighted to have. To have you on French soil is one of my greatest wishes. You have not honored us for so long. Oh, it hasn't been as long as you think. As a matter of fact, I was over last week. A business, you know. Got rather pressing, though, so I didn't get a chance to call and pay my compliments. Last week, huh? Eh? Last week, a traitor to the French Republic, André Boulard, escaped from the Bastille. Hmm, so I heard. Found his cell empty one morning, didn't you? chap must be a sorcerer. He's one of the shivers to you know he's living in London. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps you will not have to shiver for long, Sir Percy. His residence in London may be temporary. Oh, oh it is. Uh, he intends to return to France as soon as it's safe, for humans to do so. Do not attempt to provoke me, Sir Percy. My humor is much too good tonight. His humor was good. But there was a sinister satisfaction in his smile that made me vaguely uneasy for the safety of André Moulard. As soon as dinner was over, I summoned Tony Dewhurst and we paid a visit to Moulard's quarters. His wife was there.
1: Oh, come in, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome. Thank, thank you. you, thank
0: you, Madame Moulard. Well, I trust you've been keeping well?
1: Being here has become a paradise for us in a few short days, monsieur, thanks to you, <laughs> The children no longer cry out in their sleep, and André smiles again, and it is all self. By the way, um, where is André? I I was about to ask you the same thing, monsieur. Is he not with you? With us? Why should he be? I do not understand your question, monsieur. He left a few hours ago with a messenger from Sir Percy. You did send someone for him, did you not, monsieur? Oh, you did? You did say you did? No,
0: madame. I did not.
1: But men came for him. They said they had been sent by you. Now,
0: control yourself, Madame Moulin. But
1: how can I? Where is my husband? If you did not send those men for him, who did?
0: I am afraid I know the answer to that only too well. Citizen Chauvelin.
1: Oh, is there no safety from him? Is there no safety in the world?
0: I understand your hysteria, Madame. But if anything is to be done for your husband, it must be done quickly. Now, please. Did you know any of the men who came for him? Have you ever seen them before? No. How many were there? Three. French?
1: No, monsieur. English. I... Oh, they, they did not seem suspicious. André even offered them some wine, and they drank it while he dressed to go with them.
0: Uh, then they were here long enough for you to observe them closely. Well, can you remember what they looked like?
1: Well, the tall one, the one who carried your message, was... Uh,
0: just I... a moment. You said, carried, my message? Well, was the message written?
1: May Oui. I put it in this drawer. Yes, here, monsieur. Read it for yourself.
0: Yes, I'd like to. Hmm. Take a look at this, Tony. Your own stationery, Blakeney.
1: Then you did send the message, monsieur.
0: No, madame, I did not. Blakeney, it's even written in your hand. Yes, I know. Look here. Those faint indentures in the paper. Well, obviously some sort of an erasure has been made. I may have written on this paper at one time, but the original message has been obliterated. Turn that lamp up, Full. Right. Now, there. What are you going to do? See if I can make out any part of the original message by holding it over a strong light. Good heavens. What is it? The three words here. My thanks for... And then down here. A proud gift. You remember the words especially? Yes, Tony. Originally, this letter was a note of thanks for a birthday gift, sent to me by the Prince of Wales. The Prince? But, well, your letters must have been stolen then, Blakeney. certainly the Prince isn't in league with Chauvelin. No, Tony. But it's also certain that somebody in the royal household is. They are
1: everywhere. There is no safety from them.
0: Madame, unless the men who took your husband from here are caught, there may be no safety for anyone, not even in England. Now, you'd best go on with your description. You said the spokesman was tall.
1: Oui, a giant of a man. Huge hands with much hair on them, but, but scarcely any eyebrows. As, as though they had been burnt away.
0: Oh, Sounds familiar to you, Blakeney? No. How about the other two, madame?
1: One very thin, a, a gray face, like a man who has long been ill. Mm. The other, exactly the opposite. A round face, highly colored. He joked and always he laughed. They <laughs> took my husband to heaven knows what face. And he laughed.
0: Madam, uh, madam. Just one thing more, please. Did they at any time refer to each other by name?
1: No. No, I... Oh, I forget. Once, the big one, he called the name of the one who seemed sickly. He... he is called Wolf.
0: Wolf? <laughs> Sounds like an appropriate name. Oh,
1: monsieur, I beg you. Whatever you can do for my... You needn't <laughs> beg,
0: madame. Not ever. Anything we can do shall be done. Meanwhile, if you have any word of your husband, communicate with me at once. Adieu, madame. Adieu, madame.
1: Adieu. And le bon Dieu attend you.
0: Gather some of the men together, Tony. I want a guard around this house day and night. All right, beg me. Which members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel have been favored by the Prince of late? Why, well, I'd say uh, Fuchs, Adams, Harding. Why? Well, I want them to practically live at court from now on. Keep the prince in sight. Observe every person who comes into contact with him, no matter who they may be. Oh, you think he may be in danger? I think all of England may be in danger. You take the carriage. Where are you going? Hunting for a sick wolf, a large bear, and a laughing jackal. I went home and changed my clothes, donning the garb of an itinerant merchant. and Within the hour, presented myself at the Blue Parrot Inn, notorious for harboring highwaymen, cutthroats, and brigands took a seat at a corner table and waited. I didn't
2: wait long. Man shouldn't be drinking alone in a place like this. Especially a man who pays for his drink in gold. It ain't safe. Ah, you're a very observant fella. So are others. But they won't bother you so long as you're with old Jim Higgins. Now, there's another inn about a mile up the road. Why don't we go up there and have our drink in peace and comfort? For two reasons, old Jim Higgins. One is that I prefer to be here. The other is that half a mile up the road is a
0: stretch of lonely meadow where a man and his gold might be easily, although violently, parted.
2: (laughs) That could happen anyhow, even here. I have a couple of friends about just waiting for a signal from me. Why don't you just pass the gold over? Call it a gift. Because I, too, have a friend. You came in alone. My friend is under the table, pointed towards
0: your stomach. <laughs> for your sake, I hope your friends don't join us without your signal.
2: You ain't no merchant.
0: I didn't, say I was. You're dressed like one. And you're dressed like a workman, which I'm sure you're not. If you try to murder and rob me, you might get killed yourself. But for the proper consideration,
2: I might give you my gold. What Consideration. Information. So you're police, are you? Would I come here alone if I were? What is it you want to know? I'm looking for a man named Wolf. Must be a thousand by that name. The one I seek has two friends. A fat one who laughs. And
0: a giant with no eyebrows.
2: I've never seen them around here. I'll ask, though and see if any of my friends know of them.
0: Just a moment before you go, Higgins.
2: Hmm?
0: This gold could be yours or mine. If it's yours, take it.
2: Uh, I've heard of a man who carries much gold of late, but his coins are French. Is his name Wolf? Might be. I just heard. From whom? I can't remember. Uh well I was drinking here one night. Think it was a blacksmith. Big man. He'd had some sort of an accident with a bellows. His eyebrows were singed.
0: Ah. I have need of a blacksmith.
2: My horse could do with shoeing. There's a post house on the road to Teddington. To the casual grants. It would seem abandoned. Thank you. I'll give you something else to thank me for.
0: Eh?
2: Leave it abandoned. I rode to the post house on the road to Terrington.
0: It was about five miles from the inn, an old building leaning awry and besieged by weeds. From the roadside, it seemed black and desolate. I tied my horse to a tree and circled on foot. Through cracks in the boards, I could make out the faint glow of a fire. I walked boldly to the rear door and knocked. Are you? Oh, excuse me, sir, but I've ridden a long way, and my horse is... Sir Percy. Sir Percy Blakeney. The light from afar was to his back, and he recognized me before I could see his face clearly. But as he stepped back to admit me, his voice and his features revealed his identity. It was Henri Moulin. In such clothing, I did not recognize you. I did not expect to see you until the appointed time tomorrow night. The appointed time for what? For the mission your men explained to me. Rescuing the prince and his court before the revolutionaries strike. Revolutionaries? Here? In this country? Oui, Saint Percy. They said that you had uncovered a plot to murder the Aristovir as they had been murdered in France. What? It seemed impossible to me. But they had brought a message from you. Tell me quickly, André. What part were you to play in this mission? I I was to carry your message to the court. A written letter urging the prince and his followers to accompany me in carriage. Yes, Yes, I see. And since it is known that you yourself had barely escaped from French terrorists, you would not be suspect. The prince and his party would follow you to the slaughter, and the crime would seem to be of my planning. Then the men who brought me here are not friends? Friends? The assassinations they plan would tear this country with civil wars, France is torn. Where are the men who brought you here? Gone. To arrange for horses to be used tomorrow night. Then you must remain here. Do as I say and they return. It is possible they have not seen me. I am just a travelling merchant who saw the glow of the fire and stopped lost directions. We ah, oui, I understand. We must talk of something else. I would help you gladly, monsieur, but I do not know the roads. Ah, here are my companions now. They will be able to tell you the way. There were only two of them. The giant, Madame Moulard had described, and the sickly one who would be Wolf. Their eyes fixed on me like hot coals plucked from a fire. But Moular explained my presence quickly and calmly. But these gentlemen saw the glow of the fire. He's lost and seeking the road to Oxford. There's a crossroad two miles from here. The fork to the right leads to Oxford. Oh, my thanks, gentlemen. In the darkness, I feared I'd pass it. I'll be on my way. Thank you for your assistance. That's all right. Merci, monsieur. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Good night. I walked to the door casually. They made no move to stop me, and I started to relax. I had forgotten one thing. As I stepped out into the blackness of the night, I wondered what had become of the third member of the trio, the laughing jackal. It was a thought I never finished pondering, because as I turned the corner of the building, something crashed against my head with a sickening impact. I fell to my knees and felt it strike again. Then, as unconsciousness swept over me, I heard the answer to my question. members of the royal family, and other English aristocrats marked for murder by Citizen Chauvelin, I had fallen into a trap. When I regained consciousness, I was lying on a pallet of straw, bound hand and foot with rough thongs that dug into my flesh. André Moulard, similarly bound, was lying a few feet away, still unconscious. We were in the loft of the post-house, but from below, through the cracks in the floor, I could hear voices. One was the man named Wolfe. the other I knew too well citizen Chauvelin. Oh, no, no. He must have disobeyed my instructions to you. Otherwise, how would he have been able to follow you here? He didn't follow us here. Moulard's wife must have given him a description. He described all three of us to a man at the Blue inn And the man betrayed you? Yes. Betrayed us. Then betrayed him by telling us he was on to our hiding place. Those devils will do anything for gold. Even French gold. What do you mean by even French gold? You Frenchies ain't too popular
2: here, you know. We shall be
0: more popular when you have eliminated your aristos as we have eliminated ours. (laughs) Perhaps it is just as well that Blakeney fell into your hands. His absence from his usual haunts between now and tomorrow night will fix responsibility upon him more strongly than we had planned. How many will we have to take care of tomorrow night? About uh, 20. Bring the carriages out this road and arrange your ambush right here. Remember, though, one member of the party is not to be slain. I know. The prince's messenger. Will you be here? Do I seem a fool? I will be entertaining government officials at a dinner in my home, expressing a desire for friendship and cooperation in case my plan goes amiss. You know what to do. Do not communicate with me again. A moment later, I heard Chauvelin leave. I struggled with my bonds, but it was futile. Then there was a sound behind me. I rolled over expecting to see that André Moulin had regained consciousness. He had all right, but the sound hadn't been from him. From a hole in the roof of the loft, the figure of a man slid down a rope. The faint glimmer of moonlight lit his face for a brief moment before he dropped at my side. Oh, Blakeney. Tony! Monsieur Dewar! I'll cut these bonds. No, no, don't do that. Listen, but uh, listen, I said. We've got to stay here. How did you find us? Well, you told me to watch Moulin's home and guard the prince. I thought it might be wise to watch Chauvelin, too. Do you know what he's up to? Yes. Assassination of the prince and members of the court. He hopes to starve a revolt in the panic that will follow. Oh, the prince must be warned then. No. We've got to let the plan go ahead. The prince's messenger is a traitor. An assassination might take place in any case. Well, the messenger can be seized. But others at court may be corrupted by French gold, too. No, no. Keep our men close to the prince. Let them come out here. And beware of that messenger and all others in the party. The three men who call for Moulin will lead the attack, but there will be others from the inn of the Blue Parrot. Oh, we'll be madly outnumbered. That's all right, because I plan to enlist assistance from our attackers. Are you mad, Blake? No, because I don't think that the men from the Blue Parrot will be told who they are murdering and why. Not unless we tell them. We tell them? Yes, Tony. There's a man named Jim Higgins at the Blue Parrot. Find him. Tell him the story. Ah, so he can betray us again as he betrayed you. We've got a gamble on him and some of his men. He likes gold, but he sneers a little bit when the gold is French. Yeah, but he sold you out in exchange for it to me. Yes, Tony, but he's an Englishman. I have an odd feeling that the French haven't got enough gold to make him sell out the royal family. Now, leave your knife under this pallet so that I may free myself when Andre carries his message to court tomorrow night. Also, leave me your pistols. <laughs> My head throbbed from the blows I had received, and all the next day I feigned illness. Towards evening, I pretended to fall into a fitful sleep as Wolf and his two companions came for night. Cut the ropes on the Frenchie. Well, I cut his throat instead. We can do that later, after he's served his purpose. This one sleeps. <laughs> the
2: scarlet pimpernel. Ah. The Frenches should have hired us to deal with him long ago. A few blows from my fists will guarantee his sleep. He must not be marked. If the plan of our employer works out well, his fool will be
0: caught between two sides. The revolutionists will seek his head as an Aristo, and the Aristos will seek him as a traitor. The French is free. Je oh. vais Oh, my arm. Kill me if you will, but I will not do your bidding. We can kill you any time, Moulard. We can also kill your wife and children if you decide to become stubborn. No, no, monsieur. I beg you, do them no harm. I will do as you say. That's much better, Moulard. You've had your instructions. Carry them out. Give him the letter. Yes, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. An invitation from Sir Percy Blakely. to the Prince of Wales. From under my half-closed lids. I saw the letter passed into Moulin's hand. It was my own writing paper. I said a silent prayer. A prayer that the forged signature inside would someday be explained and that my name would not go down to history as a traitor and a murderer. Once Moulin was dispatched, I cut my bonds and slipped from the loft by the rope that Tony had left on the roof. The night was lit by the full moon, but the growth of weeds near the road gave me cover. It provided cover for others, too. Men rode up in the night, and Wolfe assigned them to the previews for the ambush. What if you ride into those trees ahead? You'll be the ones to stop the carriages when they get here. Higgins?
2: Yes, Master.
0: Don't knock me! You're being well paid for your work. The second carriage should stop about
2: here. You and your men can deal with the occupants. We're old hands at dealing, Master. Ain't we men? <laughs> Remember your orders. When the carriages are stopped, the occupants will be ordered to step to the ground.
0: As they do so, open fire. It's simpler to rob a dead man than a live one. The only man you'll spare will be wearing a white hat without plumes of any kind. There should be much gold. (laughs) As much or more than you've already been paid.
2: Why don't you tell us who's going to be in the carriages, Wolf? What do you care? As long as gold lines your pocket... I was sort of interested in me Soul, but as you say, gold's the thing. Amen. Oh. Quiet, quiet! I have carriages. To
1: places quickly.
2: The carriages
0: topped a hill less than half a mile from the post house and rolled swiftly towards the ambush. I moved swiftly and quietly towards the point where I had last heard Wolf's voice. A moment later, the carriages were abreast of the post house, and the four men assigned to stop them spurred their horses into the middle of the road. Stop. carriages, come out, all of you, with your hands held
2: high and you will not be harmed.
0: Wolf's voice came from a patch of weeds not twenty yards from me as the carriage door opened. I knew that Tony and the others would be waiting for some signal from me, and I gave it. Come out, Tony, and get him! Get is Tony! Stay with the prince to keep local. Wolfe. Fire, you fools! Go fire! Kill them! Kill them all! you never live to see that order obeyed, Wolf! No closed on his throat with a huge figure of the blacksmith room beside me. I saw a blob of flame from the pistol in his hand. Something ripped into my side and I fell, pulling my own brace of pistols. A knife glinted in Wolf's hand as I fired. Both of them fell, flashing in the bush and I staggered to my feet and made for the road. <laughs> the second carriage! Get the second carriage! Get it, Higgins! We'll get
2: it, all right. We'll get it out of the line of fire. Surround it, men, your prince is there. Good man, Higgins. Do you hear that lately? I heard will get it! Now, the rest of you hold, hold, or I'll kill you all as sure as my name is Jim Higgins. Drop your guns and you'll live long enough to walk to the scaffold and die like the traitors you are. Higgins
0: and his cutthroats rounded up the would be assassins. The prince's messenger, the arch traitor of all, lay dead in the road. It was only a matter of moments before they were all disarmed.
2: There, you French gold lovers, sir. You can handle them now. Me and my men will be on our way. Just a moment, Higgins. Whatever crimes you and your men have committed in the past may all be pardoned now. Aye, but what about the ones we'll commit in the future? Thank you, sir, but we are highwaymen. (laughs) English highwaymen, though. The crown may hang us one day, but long live the royal family. Away, men! Away! Away! I was right.
0: We're a foolish, strange people for which, thank heaven...
2: like it, Brickley. I don't like the way it was handled at all. Oh, I'm sorry, Your Highness. You see, if the plan had been exposed, well, uh, they might
0: have tried an assassination, at course. We had to risk that to capture all the conspirators.
2: Hang it, Brickley. I'm not complaining because I might have been killed. I'm complaining because folks was practically sitting on me. When I could have taken a pistol and defended myself. I'm afraid that's my fault, Your Highness.
0: I ordered him to protect you. The worst of it is that all the men who might have identified Chauvelin are dead. I heard his voice, but of course that's no proof. And as a French diplomat, we'd be treading on delicate ground to accuse him. Now, we can watch him closely from now on, though. Yes, but we needn't start tonight. (laughs) He's having a dinner party. The news of tonight's event isn't going to do much for his digestion, I'm afraid. Of course. You'd always blame that on English cooking.